0: Hey, it's Darren DeVivo, and welcome to Things We Said Today, a Beatles podcast about anything and everything having to do with the Beatles, whether they're together or solo. I'm Darren DeVivo from WFUV Radio in New York City. And I'm one of the hosts of Things We Said Today. And I'm joined by my good friends, Ken Michaels, who you know as a Beatle expert, who has been hosting Beatles programming um, on the radio for approximately, give or take a year or two, 40 years. Whether it goes back to the days of uh, commercial radio, uh, his recent show, the syndicated Every Little Thing, his time on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. And in addition to hosting all of, well, he doesn't host them all at the same time. This is over 40 years. But in addition to hosting every little thing, he's got a YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, where he has all kinds of um, interviews and whatnot and uh, other topics. Plus, he's one of the hosts of another podcast, a video cast, as they call it, which I guess is what this is also, Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles videocast. It gives me great pleasure to welcome our friend, Ken Michaels. How are you, Ken?
1: I'm good, Darren. Thanks for that very long introduction. I had no idea I was that busy, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, thank
0: you. Every little thing, YouTube, I admire your, your, your creativity and the ideas you come up with and um, the fact that I occasionally think, how does he do all of this in a day?
1: Without, no, I, never, I never leave this room for one thing.
0: Do you nap a lot?
1: No, I don't.. See, I, nap.
0: I need a nap right now, just from that introduction of you. Um, I may just drop on the floor after I introduce our other host, who has, it's funny how we're all hovering in the 40 year ballpark. Uh, Alan is uh, Alan Cozen, an acclaimed writer, journalist, music critic, classical music, The Beatles, pop music. He's written for The New York Times. Uh, the wall street journal um and i think right now the focus is on the book the book the mccartney legacy volume one 1969 to 1973 far from his first book far from his last book Mm -hmm. Uh, but that will be coming out and i never remember the date but it's in december the 13th and um, alan didn't write it all by himself uh but he did do it with adrian sinclair and so look for that on the 13th of December, the McCartney Legacy, Volume One, 1969 to 1973. Enough of my yakking. It's Alan Cozen. How are you, Alan? Hey, Darren, how you doing? All right. And Alan is working on, with, with Adrian Sinclair, Volume Two of the McCartney right. Legacy, yep. uh, of an ongoing series of three. Did you say three? Well, do we do the same thing? we more like, like
1: four.
2: Four. We're like four. I mean, the first volume is 720 pages. Devoted to 1969 to 73. Yeah, he was very busy during that time, <laughs> so um, so it'll probably take four to to do the lot. Maybe it would
0: be like if he did the Ken Michaels legacy. Mm-hmm. It would be four, five, six volumes with all the shows he's hosting. This then <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but welcome to this special show because it's the Revolver Show. It's uh, being recorded on the eve of the release of the Revolver Deluxe reissue, um, which is available as they all are in numerous configurations, from a big deluxe box set of five CDs. Modeling it for us is Alan Cosen. Okay, here's the. the That's box. the. Now the uh, the vinyl is the same exact complete contents that the CD box set. Is? Yes. Yes. And how many same, LPs?
2: Same box, but it's thicker. Uh, and it's heavier, I'd imagine. And it's heavier. It's, um, it's a, one, f- hmm, I think it's, um, basically it's four
0: LPs, um, plus an EP. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which we'll get into those a little minute details in the show, but, and then there's smaller configurations. What is it? A two CD set, the standard album on a one CD set. Which is the new mix Here's and the picture disc, also. And there's the CDs inside uh, of uh, the CD yeah. Deluxe box set of Revolver, uh, which is the next handy book. The book looked great. I mean, I was looking yeah. at some of the stuff, kind of skimmed um, some of the information, and that looks terrific. That alone. Yeah. You know, these um, box sets, the books sometimes alone are worth the price. Yeah you know, the the tape boxes.
2: There's a a manuscript of all, but I think two songs. uh, Manuscript being handwritten lyrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are session sheets, there's, uh, you know, and then there's a a bit of Klaus Vormann's graphic novel about making the cover. A lot of good stuff in here and uh, good annotations by Kevin Howlett. Uh, And also an essay by Questlove, which is really kind of interesting. And, oh, okay.
0: yeah. Yeah. And shorter intros from Giles Martin and Paul McCartney. So now, like, what are we talking? This is the fifth deluxe reissue of, of a Beatle album.
2: Well, Pepper. One
0: plus Pepper.
2: Uh, White Album. White album, Abbey Road, Let It Be. This is a sixth, I guess.
0: Six. What did I miss? Probably one plus. Oh, all right. I'm okay. You count that. I wasn't counting that one. Yeah. And I guess this the, the, the appearance of this Revolver set answers the question that were, was getting asked um, back when Abbey Road, when, get, when Let It Be came out. Are they going to go back and redo the early albums pre-Sgt. Pepper? And I think it's now safe to say, I doubt at this point they'll stop Revolver. I think uh, we may get our wishes with the other albums as well. Uh, but anyway... Uh, that, we'll talk about all things Revolver in a couple, uh, mm. but it's, as we always do, we start off with the news, and Ken has that.
1: Okay, first of all, before we do that, just want to, to let you know, Alan, I'm admiring his shirt. Maniac. <laughs> he's in Maine, you see. Very he's cool. dancing like he's
0: never danced before. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the lyric? Uh,
1: yes. Michael thing is
0: that
2: neither of the New York teams made the World Series. Oh. I had to go for something other than, you know, a Yankee or, or Mitch. Or... <laughs> I, I, I,
0: I, this is our first show since the Yankees were knocked out. Mm. Um, and while I'm not being trying to be a poopy head here, um, I wasn't really surprised because I didn't think they would be able to get past the Houston Astros. But I did sort of feel bad for the Alan Cozen Alan type Yankee fan. But uh, now the whole scandal is that the fan base was so out of control with booing mm. Aaron judge and other uh, players as the Yankees were going out in four straight that the thinking now is that no one's going to want to resign or even come to New York. I don't no one in, you know, but uh, there could be the thing that has pushed Aaron judge away mm. uh, from the Yankees getting booed when he didn't come through in the, in the, in the playoffs and, The fact that the San Francisco Giants evidently are practically hand-going-to-hand judge a blank check. Uh, Fill in your amount and come play for us. Mm -hmm. So, anyway.
1: I guess 62 home runs isn't enough for Yankee fans.
0: Mets did the same thing to Max Scherzer when he laid an egg in in, in his biggest game as a Met. They kind of really came down on him. Hmm. Yeah, you know, anyway. This is, this See, is we, all the Beatles. We
2: can get away with this kind of chat because Paul McCartney periodically turns up at a
1: baseball game when he's yes. in
2: New York. True. So, you know, it's Beatles-related.
1: Right. I was there when there was Flaming Pie Night at Yes, yeah.
0: yeah. I was there, too. Yep. And other than hearing a few songs in between innings, it was like, exactly what on earth were they doing with Flaming Pie? There was any, nothing else was happening.
1: <laughs> anyway. Uh, well... That's the way to promote an album. You know, get Paul to do a video. What's the connection between Flaming Pie and the Mets? I don't know.
0: I think it was somebody in the front office. I vaguely, vaguely remember, loved the album and was a McCartney fan and he made it happen. I don't know why I'm thinking that, but
1: we are talking who it is. We won't we won't talk
0: about that now, but <laughs> that'll have to be in volume four.
1: Okay. I'll let you know. I have the scoop on that, actually, Alan. Okay. All right, in Beatle news, it's been a few weeks since our last show, and as you all know, um, we've had to deal with this ugly thing called COVID. Ringo Starr had tested positive for COVID, had to cancel two shows. Then he was negative, then he resumed his current All-Star Band tour, but then he tested positive for it again, and then he had to cancel the remaining dates of the tour. So if he can, I'm sure he's going to try and reschedule those dates. And um, this is already well over a week ago, so he's probably fine by now. Sean Lennon was in the middle of performing for four dates at The Stone in New York City for his new experimental work called Asterisms. And after performing in two shows, he also tested positive for COVID. And he had to cancel the remaining two shows, which he hopes to reschedule. And then on his Facebook page, Gary Burr has said that he got COVID as well. Gary, of course, we know as being a member of the Roundheads. That was the team that worked with Ringo and uh, with Mark Hudson in the band there. And he's also written several songs with Ringo since the Mark Hudson days. So let's wish all three of them well. It's kind of ironic the last show that we did um well no actually a few shows back we did an interview with uh madeline Bacaro, mm-hmm. who is the author of that brand new book on yoko ono really wonderful book called in your mind the infinite universe of yoko ono and during that interview i had mentioned i think a lot of people aren't aware that prior to being married to tony cox um yoko's husband before john lennon she actually had a first husband. She was married three times. And, <laughs> and Madeline went into talking about him uh, because I said, you know, he's still alive. Well, unfortunately, he just passed away. His name was Toshi Ichiyanagi, And And um, he was an avant-garde composer who studied with John Cage in New York City in the 1950s. He employed random chance as a compositional technique and combined traditional Japanese instruments, Western instruments, and electronic sound in his music. He was the founder of the Tokyo International Music Ensemble, and Ishiinagi also served as the longtime artistic director of the Kanagawa Arts Foundation. From the Associated Press, press they said, he was known for collaborations that defied the boundaries of genres, working with Jasper Johns and Merce Cunningham, as well as innovative Japanese artists like architect Kisho Kurakawa and poet-playwright Shuji Terayama, as well as with Yoko Ono, with whom he was married for several years, starting in the mid 1950s. Hmm. Um, Toshi ishiyanagi was 89, and in fact, He and Yoko were born 14 days apart. Toshi, February 4th. Yoko, February the 18th in 1933.
0: And he didn't ever work with Andrew Lloyd Webber, right? Of course not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Got to stick that in there, don't you? Uh, On October the 14th, there was a brand new music video that premiered for Taxman on YouTube. And this was an animated video. When I watch it, it reminds me very much of kind of yellow submarine ish, kind of psychedelic, with the emphasis on the lyrics of the song. It's nice, it's pleasant. I don't know how many times I would rewatch it. Did you guys see it? Yeah. As you said. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Same as what you said, Ken. Yeah. Nice and all, but
1: let's keep it short and sweet. It would be, it would have been better if there was some beetle footage used in there of any kind even if it's footage we've seen a million times over. I think that would have been better than than this, but at least there was an effort made to make a video. (laughs) Uh, Denny Lane has just announced that he will be doing an acoustic songs and stories tour beginning next February. His songs will span his entire career from the Moody Blues to the Electric String Band, plus Ginger Baker's Air Force, of course, Wings, and his solo music, plus his early influences and some unreleased new music. All the dates so far have him playing at various city winery locations. Beginning on February 7th, in New York City, February 8th, Montgomery, New York, February 9th in Boston, February 11th, Philadelphia, February 15th in Washington, DC, and February 19th in Chicago. Those are all at the city wineries in each of those locations. It's always enjoyable to see Denny in concert. Um, The documentary, Let There Be Drums, directed by filmmaker, Justin Kreutzmann, the son of the Grateful Dead's drummer, Bill Kreutzmann um, is about to be released. It explores the art of drumming and and what it is it, what is it in certain musicians that makes them want to be drummers and come up with the unique styles that they have. It includes the last film interview with Taylor Hawkins, Also interviews with Ringo Starr, other drummers such as Stuart Copeland of The Police, Chad Smith of The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Mickey Hart from The Grateful Dead, Matt Sorum from Guns N' Roses and others. It is set for a theatrical and TVOD release. Tomorrow, the same day as Revolver, October 28th via Prime Video and Apple TV Plus followed by a DVD release which is right around the corner, November 1st. You can pre-order, well, you can order it right now on Amazon. An article from Consequence of Sound concerns producer Rick Rubin, who has picked eight songs that he would make for his Desert Island Discs. And that includes one Beatles song across the universe. He says the song not only taught him the basics of songwriting, but inspired him to learn how to meditate. He says from three years old to seven years old, the Beatles was everywhere and everywhere in my home. And it somehow imprinted what a great song is in a very deep level before I knew that I was looking for what that was. So that was one of his eight, that Beatles song right there. Some Beatles books. News about those, Beatles 100, do I have the hardcover one here? Yes, I do. From John Borak, Beatles 100, 100 pivotal moments uh, in Beatle history. And John Borak, you know from being a writer for Goldmine, Goldmine Magazine, um, he lists 100 moments in Beatle history that he considers the most important. And that includes all the solar years too. Well, that book has just been released on paperback A new biography on the life and career of Peter Asher, is due out November the 15th, called Peter Asher, A Life in Music. A new Beatles exhibition, which we've heard about here, the last show or two, called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Beatles, will tell us how the Fab Four invaded America and influenced pop culture forever, and that will be running at the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey from November the 18th through June 25th next year. It will focus on the period from early 1964 to mid-1966 when the band caused pop music pandemonium in America. The Daily News is reporting the curated exhibition will feature interactive displays and pop culture artifacts that were previously shown throughout other US cities and in Japan. Wardrobe items worn by band members include Paul McCartney's suit worn at the group's 1965 Shea Stadium. There's a drumming lesson there from Ringo that will be shown alongside handwritten set lists, gold records, and concert contracts. Beatles author and historian Ken Womack will be interviewing May Pang on November the 18th to discuss her new documentary about her relationship with John Lennon called The Lost Weekend, A Love Story. Ken will also interview authors. One of them is right here with us, Alan Cosen and Adrian Sinclair for their new McCartney book, The McCartney Legacy, Volume One. That's on December the 14th, the day after its release. Mark Lewison will be their special guest on March the 30th. And I'm thinking he's probably there right around the same time as the Fest Beal fans, timing it so that he can attend both. So you get to see Alan and Adrian on that day, December the 14th. I'm gonna see if I can try and make it for that. That should be interesting. We'll sign your book. <laughs> Will you please, Alan?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Song and Dance Men, Alan Cozen and Adrian Sinclair.
1: a few more things we do have to uh report that it is official ringo live at the greek theater is coming out on november the 25th um there will be a two cd release also a two cd blu-ray package together a dvd a blu-ray and there is an exclusive vinyl release for november the 25th And, of course, the Revolver box set comes out tomorrow, October uh, the 28th. I've been told that there is an indie record store vinyl exclusive for that. Did you get that, Alan, the vinyl that you have? Was that an indie store one? No, mine's just the regular old vinyl. Is that with the tote bag? Yeah, it comes with a tote bag.
0: Yeah, I have uh, feelers out at a couple of stores. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to. They didn't seem they seemed unsure of what they were going to get in the way of stock.
1: Let me know if you get an extra one, if you want to just, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're feeling generous. And um, a reminder that the George Harrison Tribute, this is a festival honoring George and the other Beatles, will be taking place this weekend at White's in Westport, Massachusetts, Friday night and Saturday day and night. Uh, Musicians from New England will be performing George's music, Beatle music, there'll be raffles, merchandise, uh, proceeds will go to cancer research, and I'll be doing a little bit of the emceeing on the Saturday and doing some trivia and giving away some stuff, in an effort to clean up this room. I'm getting rid of some things, <laughs> so uh, come and see me if you're there in the area. Whites in Westport, Massachusetts. All right, and that's all the news I got. Wherever I that? had
2: one other thing, <laughs> um, sure. which is that. Uh, the very first issue of um, the Journal of Beatles Studies um, being put out by the University of Liverpool is available online. Uh, the link is um, news.liverpool.ac.uk slash 2022 slash 10 slash 26 slash first issue dash Of dash the dash journal dash of dash Beatles dash studies dash available dash to dash read dash online dash now. Probably easier. I got got
0: www first.
2: Well, no, it's just https colon slash slash. (laughs) Please leave the
0: colon out of it, please.
2: No, I've, I've had just a, a couple of minutes to look at it before we um, got together to do this, and um, bizarrely enough, the, the one article I looked at, which was an article about teaching the Beatles, mentioned an article of mine from the Times, from uh, about when they started teaching the Beatles at the University of Liverpool, and I think they included it just because they wanted to mention the title of the article, which was called... Um, uh, a master's in Paul is definitely not dead. Um, so uh, yeah, anyway, it, it looks, looks interesting. I mean, obviously it's, um, you know, academic in the sense that all the articles have a million footnotes, um, as does our book by the way. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you like footnotes, you can practice on this and then buy our book in December. Uh, but anyway, there it is. That's the first issue, and um, it's promising. So
0: um, just wanted to mention it. I still have footnote flashbacks from when I was in college. Yeah. Provide <laughs> footnotes. So where does the colon fit into all of this? HTTPS colon slash
2: slash. Slash slash doesn't sound really good together Oh, no,
0: that sounds painful, actually. I Some of this. Uh, No, leave it in. Um, And so there's the news for uh, this show. Cheers, everyone. And it is time to talk about Revolver. There you go. Uh, Cheers. Bottoms up. And, um, of course, Revolver, the next album, you know, the whole deal. Reissue coming tomorrow. By the time you watch this, it'll be out. You may have your copy already. Uh, what we're going to do is really, I guess, in a way, do a review. That's more of an overview. Talk about what's in there, what could be in there, um, and uh, what what's missing, what not, what could have been done better, um, and if there's any colon involved um, in there. Anyway, so revolver. Uh, let's start off with uh, uh, let's start off with Ken. Uh, with uh, just some initial thoughts about uh, this new reissue.
1: Um, I'm really enjoying it. I don't actually have a physical copy of it because I ordered it from Amazon. So I'm expecting it tomorrow or it might be a day or two late. But um, this angel just sent me the audio files, you know, and I got to hear them uh, a little bit in advance. (laughs) I don't know where where he, he came from, but, you know, I was able to to listen to some wave files, and um, I initially went for, as I always do, the outtakes, and I'm really digging it. I mean, there's a lot there to to really revel in, um, and the only major problem that I had with it, well, th- th- there's a couple, but um, there's a lot of repeat from the Beatles Anthology Volume Two, although. Apparently it was remixed from those takes, but you had something like, take one of, of Tomorrow Never Knows in there, uh, take one of Got to Get You Into My Life in there, the giggling version of And Your Bird Can Sing, the version from Taxman, where they're they're inserting a little bit of the words in there. Um, anybody got a bit of money, yeah. that they, they very quickly, that was in there. Um, what else, that little rehearsal, which I actually like a lot, that instrumental of I'm Only Sleeping is in there. With the uh, vibes, right? that's yeah. yeah. really nice. It's a nice little music bed, which I use a lot in my radio show. Um, and I love all that stuff. Um, but there are certain tracks that I'm really enjoying so much. Um, I will say that while a lot of attention's being given to Yellow Submarine, and and rightly so, for hearing uh, the very beginning of it, John on acoustic guitar with words that you know are not the same words that were used in in the song, um, and it makes you realize that John had more to do with the songwriting than we're led to believe. But it's great to have Yellow Submarine and to see the evolution of it, how it developed. Um, but the the, the one track most of all you're going to be surprised what i'm about to say that surprised me was the the second uh performance of got to get you into my life not take one but just the band doing it it's really exciting it's nice to hear it without the brass it's just the band itself and if you listen carefully it sounds like they're using the riff from paperback writer to go into the verses Hmm. And that was buried in the final mix, or, or, or they must have abandoned it. Worse than that, it was wiped.
2: Um, basically, oh, yeah? what, what that is, is uh, originally they did it this way with the guitarists playing the stuff that eventually became the brass parts, uh, mostly. Um, and then they decided to wipe that and record the brass. But they had made a mono mix, along the way and they kept that one mix. And that's why we even have that now because those guitar parts are no longer on the master tapes. So um, we just, uh, we just, that, you know, there's a version of a day in the life that's like that too, um, you know, where things had been wiped, but there was a, a, a mix that survived. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and and this is, you know, I, I don't want to interrupt you. I mean, for me, that's my favorite thing on the on the set, but go ahead. Ah.
1: So we share that in common. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but that was a big surprise to me. And, um, you know, I wish that there was a bit more of seeing the evolution of the song. It's nice to hear something like, and your bird can sing, where you do have that those guitar parts that were, they were thought of in, in the first take, but just wasn't used in the introduction, but they used it later, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, there's there's a you know quite a lot there that that I'm really enjoying. Just um, looking over this, I love hearing um, for no one just the backing tracks for that without hearing Paul's uh, vocal and there's no French horn in there either. The thing I love about that is that you actually get to hear Paul's piano playing exactly what he was doing mm-hmm. in the song. Um, I love Eleanor Rigby because um, there's actually, oh, that's another thing that was repeated <laughs> from Anthology 2 is having just the the strings, the, the string parts. Um, but you actually get to hear a conversation that took place with George Martin and the, uh, the string players and Paul, and they're playing uh, the string parts uh, with vibrato and without vibrato and George Martin's asking Paul you know what do you think you know and he Paul couldn't tell the difference really um, which I found to be kind of funny but they went with not having the vibrato but it's just interesting to hear that conversation there yeah. mm-hmm. the
2: thing is that on the on the section that they were doing which was just like duh, 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 you're, you're really not going to hear a difference with and without vibrato because the notes are too short you know, if it was a if it was a long sustained section, you'd hear it. Um, but so, you know, it, it's kind of funny because the way you know Paul is almost set up there to look like, well, you know, I, I can't hear it. So what does that mean? You know, that he can't hear the difference. But 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 it's an example where nobody really is going to hear the difference because the notes are so short. So um, but it was interesting. You know, the interesting thing about it for me was that George Martin you know, obviously is it wants to know what they prefer, you know, mm-hmm. Paul, uh, in this case, or the Beatles generally, I mean, and then he was running things by him, he was running you know, um, different ways of doing it by him, uh, in, in case he did have a preference. So, you know, that it was it was interesting to hear the conversation, gotta say.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Although <laughs> I, I kind of felt in listening to what the, the string players were playing, there was a little bit of you know, more sustain, you know, when, when they're trying to do vibrato, albeit short notes, but there was a slight difference that I felt, but yeah, I could understand why Paul wouldn't hear it. Um, there's a really nice, uh, uh, take of here, there, and everywhere, which I like a lot. Um, Yellow Submarine, there's, there's another thing about it that I found interesting, not just the fact that John uh was writing that that early the the verse there um what's the line there's a place where i was born no one cared no one cared but not only are the lyrics different but it's in a different meter Uh because john is doing that in three four time like a waltz and then the beatles changed it to four four time so just knowing that there was that change any kind of difference between how the song changed over you know the whole development of it all. Um, yeah, Love You Too is a bit of a treat because you hear uh, George's demo on acoustic guitar. Um, and then there's there's actually the version that the Beatles released, but it has a lot more of the harmonies on it of Love You Too. And then it extends longer with the, in, with the um, sitar playing which I'm, I'm figuring is George. I don't know if it's all George. I just know he plays sitar on, on the song, but I don't know if other Indian musicians are playing the sitar as well. Nope. Um, it's Even though it's been bootlegged before to hear rain the way that the Beatles did it really fast, which is kind of hard for me to believe that they actually did that. It just doesn't sound normal <laughs> at all. I mean, it's the same thing with Strawberry Fields Forever when they did that. The real fast take that they had to slow down Mm -hmm. but um all that i found to be you know really interesting dr robert was actually three almost three minutes long and you realize that they had to do an edit for the version that came out of it if you listen to the whole thing you know that there's a verse in there that is not the same take as what was in the version that we've known all all these years um I mean that's it you know for something like tomorrow never knows i really wish that we could have heard more of a development yeah um take one all the way to the finished one and it's really nice that they put in there is the 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 um the mono was it mono a stereo mono, mono that yeah that george martin um decided to cancel out on they had to uh send back the original copies or or or, or didn't they I think few, really? I think some of them got out um, yeah
2: but he very quickly withdrew it and replaced it with the take that
1: became the standard take yeah there's a lot more of the uh, the tape loops in there throughout the song maybe he felt it was too much and the piano at the end uh, yeah it goes crazy yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay but those those are real highlights for me and um, you know, I always gravitate towards the outtakes first, but we can talk about the remixes later. But you know, there's enough there to chew on. A lot of interesting stuff that I hadn't heard before. Um, kind of surprised at how much I'm enjoying backing tracks, a lot. <laughs> yeah,
0: I hear you. All right, Ken. Those are Ken's thoughts, and Alan's got some of his own. What's so? What do you? Uh, what hit you over the head, Alan? Um, so we're we talking about the the outtakes in particular. Yeah yeah, cause I think I, mean, I think all for all three of us, especially with this box set, from what we were saying before we started recording, it's the outtakes that we're really interested in. And I think that more so possibly than any other of the other box sets is that's front and center, the most important part of this yeah. are those those two discs of outtakes. So
2: it's kind of interesting because you know what they, what they seem to be selling and making the most of is the remix. But for anyone who would buy the five disc set and guys you know, like us, um, the outtakes are really the main event because you know we've been collecting bootlegs all these years just to hear something a little bit different from the standard version or something on the way to the finished standard version. And, you know, we've been clamoring for decades for them to release some of the stuff officially. Um, mm-hmm. And now they have. So, you know, so for us, these are the main things. And, uh, um, you know, I had already said that um, that got to get you into my life is is. The main one for me, that's the one I keep going back to and playing again. I I, I don't know that I can say that I prefer it to the one with the brass. I mean, it's a great brass arrangement, but uh, I really kind of like the way they sound as a band, as a self-contained band, just playing that. And the brass arrangements were, the brass arrangement was made from that, what they were doing on that take in the book lots of great information in the book they talk about i think they interviewed one of the brass players and said you know there was nothing written down we just came in and they played us you know what they wanted and we just did it we just made an arrangement like right there so basically they were doing more or less what the beatles were doing on guitars and uh yeah the version of here, there, and everywhere—it's um, you know obviously unfinished. Paul's only got a single tracked vocal there, and uh, you know some of the de- the production details aren't there yet. But it's really beautiful. It has a kind of fragility. I think that the finished version—I don't want to say doesn't have—but but this is different because it's um, it's a bit more spare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the same with uh, the the version of for no one, yeah, there there was a bunch of stuff repeated. The repeats generally were new mixes in a lot of cases a lot of cases there were only like six of them. These were a bit longer. I think they had more, you know introductory talking and a little more at the end. And also, you know, the philosophy on anthology seemed to be to you know not just give us a straight outtake, but, do something with it. So for instance, if we were getting, you know, just the backing track and lead vocals on a take, you know, in the very last verse, they would add the harmony vocals or something. So it wasn't a straight outtake, it was a bit produced. And here they're a bit more straight. With And Your Bird Can Sing, I think on the anthology version we have, okay, on this we have two versions of the same take. One has a straight vocal going all the way through. The other has the giggling vocal. I'm pretty sure that on the anthology version, we have both those vocals. So you hear them singing it, and then you hear them, you know, trying to overdub, and you get them giggling all through it. And um, somehow, you know, I, I I love both of the giggling versions, but I think I like the anthology two one better because. It's as if they're, you know, you you hear the song as it's supposed to be, and you hear them unable to stop laughing while they're trying to record these vocals. And with this, it's just the laughing take. So when they're laughing, they're not singing the song really. But you know what? It's nice to have two different different mixes of it. Nice. So uh, yeah, but the laughing take is is great. I mean, it's you can't you 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 can't just sit there with a straight face and listen to it and not also get swept up into the giggliness of it. You know, it's, it's just that kind of track. Uh, Let's see a bunch of takes of I'm only sleeping um, apart from the vibraphone take or, or bit of a take, because the rest had been wiped. That was an end of a take that, that survived. The yellow submarine takes uh yeah that that John Lennon songwriting version is interesting but it's only a minute long and you know what it it's kind of like for me is the very first take from Al Maria Spain of Strawberry Fields where all he's got is I think no one I think is in my tree or something you know and, and it's not too bad he has basically one and a half lines of the song This is sort of at that stage, all he's got is in the place where I was born, no one cared, no one cared, or at least that's all we get of all he's got. Uh, And then you hear him working on it with Paul and them deciding to do a, a more fleshed out demo. The first one seems to be John at Home, the second one is at Abbey Road. And they actually talk about, you know, like, who's, okay, who's gonna, which of us is gonna sing this demo. And Paul says, well, you, you know it, you should do it. You know, so even though Paul probably wrote a lot of lyrics, I think what they're saying is John had written the song, the melody that, you know, he knows how it goes, he should sing it. So we have John singing the demo of Yellow Submarine, way before Ringo gets involved. They repeated the... Um, the version of Yellow Submarine with the spoken intro that was you know one of the non-album b-sides from around the time of the anthology. Real Love I think. I think it was on Real Love yeah um, and you know that's kind of an interesting uh it's an interesting intro I kind of can see why they left it out it you know is it's hard to know what it even means but um you know, it's it's uh, it's it's good to have it here. And let's see what else. Uh, oh yeah, um, love you too. You were asking about the sitar playing and they discuss that in the book too. They interview Anil Bagwat, the tabla player, who was at the session. He was the only one brought in for the session. The rest of it is George playing sitar, Paul playing Tambora, which is the drone instrument. Mm -hmm. um and you know and that's what it is so uh all that sitar playing is george and i didn't know that i always assumed that he had brought in other indian musicians right and it i never quite understood why only the tabla player was getting credit well i guess that's because there were no other indian you know sitar players there it was just george and that um, that to me was really kind of interesting because uh, you know here we are only about a year after uh, Norwegian Wood. Norwegian Wood is you know I mean if you're if you're really into sitar playing that's barely sitar playing. It's really playing a guitar line on a sitar. It's a sitar sound, but it's not really sitar playing as such. But but "Love You Too," I mean, that's a lot more in the Indian style, and uh, and he seems to have become a lot more fluid in that year.
1: So that was kind of interesting. And um, Alan, I have a question because yeah. I don't have the book, Kevin hmm. Hallett book. But does it say anything in there about the introduction of "Love You Too"? Because I always wondered, did George actually write that, or was that something that was improvised by? I thought at the time the Indian musicians that were on it, not knowing yeah. there was just, I was kind of hoping, you know, that we had with um, *Sgt. Pepper, you had George as a bonus track outtakes instructing the Indian musicians, what he wanted them to play. And on the Wonderwall music album, as yeah, a bonus yeah. track, you had the inner light and you had George instructing them. Right. So i was hoping we'd get something like that with love you too.
2: Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. We don't though. Um, and they don't, discuss it in the book, other than saying that it's, uh, uh, I think, an ALAP, which is, uh, you know, the the intro to raga. So it's a standard form in Indian music, but um, it doesn't really say whether he got it from someplace else, or. but it's him playing it. You know, maybe it's improvised, I don't know.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right.
2: So, yeah, so that's, that's it for me for the <clears throat> for the outtakes I think
0: it's here, hear Darren alrighty well when it comes to the outtakes a lot of what the two of you pointed out were things that jumped out at me as well um, I really felt like there should have been more a lot more of the development of Tomorrow Never Knows which you mentioned Ken uh, just what is it two, uh, two tracks are provided uh, and one of them we've heard
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, on uh, the anthology albums, um, some of the highlights that appeal to me—I loved. I, maybe it's my favorite of the sessions. Uh, I loved the fast version of Rain. My goodness, man! if you, if you ever need to have an example of how good a band they were? Songwriting aside and everything else aside, just as a as a as a rock band, four piece rock band, Rain listen to Ringo's drums. Mm -hmm. Now, if that was, you know, like, I have no reason to believe that that was, you know, sped up, that's them playing it. And it was remarkable, dead on, no mistakes, no missed anything. And Ringo was just, I mean, like blazing around and Paul's bass being played at breakneck speed. Those always been two of my um, favorite drum lines. Is there such a thing as a drum line? favorite dumb parts and bass lines in the, in the Beatles' recorded work was Rain. So hearing uh, take five at, at the quote-unquote actual speed, and then it gets slowed down. And I think it's, it's, it's that same take. Yeah, take five, slowed down for the master tape. So we hear the backing of Rain at the fast speed as it was. Then we hear it slow down. And if I, if I didn't make a note of it here, but if memory serves correct, I believe at the beginning, there was a split second count-in from one of them. And you could hear, it sounds like this, but it's like one number, maybe it's like four. And then the song comes in, which I just got a kick out of that. Cause you hear again, mm-hmm. everything slowed down here for this, for, this, uh, for the master of rain uh Mm -hmm. and your bird can sing is a highlight um i think that's that's one of my favorite songs from the beatles period we were talking power pop the last was it the last show i think and Mm -hmm. your bird can sing to me was is like the perfect example of a great power pop song and you get again just two peaks and one of them we've heard already the giggling version two peaks into the creation of that song you guys pointed out Love love You Too also. It was great to hear uh, George um, a very early, the first take, it doesn't get any earlier than the first take, uh, where George was just on his acoustic. And then we get uh, a rehearsal where George is playing the sitar, and you can really concentrate on his sitar playing. You also hear it announced by the engineer as Granny Smith,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, which was Cool to hear that, uh, granny Smith, take one um, that we've known as love you too for uh, for so many years for decades. I actually found that I preferred got to get you into my life without the horns. Uh, I like the guitar part that I know Ken you pointed out um, pretty early on um, hearing the guitars in place of the horns was pretty cool, and um, Things that you were also pointed out, "Yellow Submarine." Really, I would have liked to have heard more of that. Again, the development—were you guys aware that this was the origins of "Yellow Submarine"? Lenin, acoustics of all these years have gone by, and that's one little piece of information that you would think we would have known, right? Uh, or even heard, maybe on the anthology albums, the very early genesis of "Yellow Submarine." Uh, but somehow that remained. Uh, at least to our ears, a mystery. And one of the top discoveries on this set was hearing an acoustic rough run-through where John and his acoustic guitar, it's actually a sad song. It sounds like it was going to develop into an introspective sad song. Yeah. So rather than repeat a lot of the same things that I've already repeated, but repeat more, uh, I couldn't help as I'm listening to these start to nitpick at little things like the sessions are broken into two of the five CDs. We're talking the big box set now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think Alan did the math that the sessions could fit on one disc. Uh, and why they're split into two. I don't know. It's two ways of looking at it. You could have combined all of the sessions onto one CD and reduce the price or give us a lot more of, you know, the things that we're talking about, like more on the development of Tomorrow Never Knows, one example. Mm -hmm. Um, It just was, I know it's not the first of these Beatle box sets where a disc might've been a bit too short. This one, for some reason, kind of stands out a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, uh, CDs two and three, there could be a lot more there or they could have been on one disc with maybe a lesser retail price. Uh, one,
2: four, one and four could have been on one disc too. The mono, the new... Yeah, that's just that what I was
0: going to say now that, the, that you could have condensed even more of this set. Now, is this being done to kind of... Maybe it's being done to not make it look skimpy compared to what we've had already. I know we are going into, we're going backwards now and I do anticipate if they do sets of the earlier albums the songs are shorter there aren't works in progress like we have with, not works in progress uh, unused ideas like we had with the White Album, so many songs that didn't make the cut Mm -hmm. on the White Album. Uh, Those earlier albums are probably going to make for shorter box sets which in some cases, less is more. Maybe they wanted to avoid Revolver appearing skimpy uh, when put up aside some of the others. I have no clue. Listen, it's, it's the type of um, criticism that when all is said and done, I wouldn't hesitate spending what I need to spend to have it and want it. And, you know, but it, it it's bound to be something that a lot of people are going to be complaining about. That this could have been longer or it could have been maybe cheaper uh, if they had condensed. Uh, and that's, you know, the like my final thoughts on the two sessions discs uh, that they could be one or again, more. You get little samplings and like you just got the songs written down here. You get two Tomorrow Never Knows, uh, you get two, three got you into, got to get you into My Life. Um, I would have liked to have heard more on how. Love You Too, maybe switched from being an acoustic to being a sitar bass song. Uh, actually, you get three takes of uh, Love You Too. One of Paperback Rider, uh, which is a killer because they, get, they actually combine two takes into one track. Because the guitar playing is like, uh, you really get to mm-hmm. hear the guitar up front on, uh, on this take. But then it moves on to Rain, and then it moves on to one take of Dr. Robert. It seemed to be bouncing very quickly through, what is not a very long album really compared to what, you know, what would come. So uh, to me, that was, you know, my highlights are similar to what you guys point out musically, but I couldn't, I couldn't not ignore the fact that, with the way the box set is structured. It could have been done differently. Of course, everyone's going to jump right on. And we've already done this, talked about the EP, which is really two different mixes of the Paperback Rider rain single. Four songs on its own separate disc. How was it treated on the, oh, you get a 45? Yeah,
2: like a real EP actually. I mean, they call the CD one an EP as well, but it's a CD, same as any other CD, just with less on it. That, that, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, the remixes of those two songs would also have fit on a combined disc with the mono and stereo albums. Which And, and you don't really need the mono mixes because they're out on past masters and they're no different. They're not new mixes, they're just the original mono mixes. Um, so, and you don't really need the mono mix of the album because that came out in 2009 and on LP in 2014. Um, so really what we're talking about is we've got two discs worth of music here. Right. On five discs. So, and apart from the cost difference that you know obviously it could have been less expensive or they could have given us a lot more to have that many discs there's that you know thing i mentioned probably the last time or the time before uh about i don't know if it was about this or something else but you know if we're talking about you know we're talking about guys who are concerned about the environment and you know being relatively green and this is not a very green set to have two discs of music on five discs, you know, these things one day will end up in a landfill when, you know, we're 12 formats away and CDs are, uh, you know, people giving away their grand great grandparents CDs. Um, They're going to end up somewhere that they shouldn't. So. I don't know. I, I I just think that was a bad decision. Um, I, I do wish, however, I mean, I, I, like Darren says, I'm happy to buy it for, you know, whatever it costs uh, to have this stuff as it is. I'm not saying that it's not worth it. All I'm saying is, uh, you know, maybe we could have had another disc's worth of outtakes because that's what we really want, you know, and there's, Plenty of good stuff on this album that we would like to see develop, as both Ken and Darren said, you know, yeah. a, a bit more of the steps in between. So I
0: can't I can't help but think that they probably felt that if they did what we were talking about, people will go two CDs. Right. Boy, that's skimpy. Well, yes and no, but um By spreading it out, you are are creating the illusion that this is a similar set to what's come. Uh, It also makes me wonder if they might be better off in the future combining albums, Uh, like doing a 1963 box set where both Please Please Me and With the Beatles are treated separately but within one set. Uh, Can Please Please Me recorded in one day, right? Everything on there was... Other than "Love Me," well, "Love Me Do."
1: The two singles were recorded separately, Love right? It. And
0: then the rest was all done in one day. How how much can you flesh that out? I'm sure there's other takes and takes yeah. that broke down that hardcore fans will want to hear, but probably combine that with with uh, with the Beatles, or maybe combine the two movie albums together. Help and a hard day. I don't know. I'm just you know speculating here. Um, when all is said and done. I'm looking for a way to find something here that you know others are gonna like, pick up on. These are the kinds of things that ultimately, to me, are petty. I'm still gonna get the set. I'm still gonna listen to the set and really not think about this thought anymore, um, uh, that, the, that the discs are short. Remember when the Red and Blue albums came out on CD? There were people who felt the Red album should have been on one disc. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it fit on one disc, but every they were always doubles, those two albums. And putting them on the shelf, I don't know, a double and a double, even though, you know.
1: Well, let me just say that I echo your sentiments, both of you guys. I was a bit afraid that I was going to come here and be the only one that was that was really upset about how much you're getting for the money here. Um, And obviously, yeah, I knew you could fit both discs of outtakes on, on one CD. I've been kind of upset from the very beginning that the mono mixes have been on all these box sets. And yes, I know the importance of the mono mixes. That's what the Beatles were concerned about. That's what they listened to. That's what they approved of. That's what they really worked on. So they'll always be very important. But if you're buying the deluxe box set of Revolver, chances are you've got the mono mixes yeah. anyway. Uh-huh. So it's really padding the bill there. And I really don't see the logic in having these EPs. Um, uh, like I said, forget about the mono. You put the four songs on there from the EP, you add that to the, the remix, you combine the two discs of outtakes, you got two CDs. Uh-huh. That's all you need, that in the booklet. So, but on the other hand, in defense of capital, by Universal, you know, in 1966, the Beatles weren't thinking, you know, this is going to come out in a box set someday. So let's load it up with as many outtakes as we can possibly come up with. Mm-hmm. It's very possible that there aren't too many great outtakes for some of these songs. And I'll tell you, I didn't say this before. And one of the disappointments for me was I want to tell you. There's only one track on, on the outtakes of that. It starts off with Studio Banter, which takes up maybe 30 seconds. And then they got the backing tracks, if I want to tell you, and it's very short. And that's all they got. Yeah. It could just be in the way that they recorded the song. It seemed like the most important thing was to get the backing track down first. Mm-hmm. And then everything else that was a take was what they added to it gradually or mistakes that they made in, in, you know, over the backing track. They may not have so much material there. But also, I was thinking that for something like Eleanor Rigby, it's very similar to "Because" in a way, just like in in the um, uh, the anthology, they they gave you just the vocals because the harmonies are so great. On "Because," you could have done that, Frail a Rigby. Mm-hmm. You know, just the vocals there if you got just the strings. Hey, I
2: would do it on "Here, There, and Everywhere." That's the one I would do it on because <laughs> yeah. those backing vocals are incredible.
0: You Good
1: know? point. Yeah. And does it say in the in, in the booklet, Alan, um, there's no outtake at all of Good Day Sunshine? No, no. It doesn't explain why. Because they got
2: a take they liked at the very beginning. <laughs> I think there's just I the, didn't even
0: realize that that slipped by me. There's no Good Day Sunshine.
2: Yeah, it's the only one without an outtake. I'm sure that if there was something they could could have found, they would have put it on. Um, but. Uh, but there isn't um, you know
0: you mentioned the, the the both of you have pointed out the repetition and in including the mono mix in the box set if you're going to include the mono mix um i'm thinking okay you have you, what you're doing here with these box sets. what you should be doing is creating the ultimate collection uh that you know everything is together you get the mono mix yes i know they've come out individually they've been out but to have the complete Revolver picture or any of the other albums, you include it anyway. And what they're not doing is giving you the original stereo mix. You're getting a new remix. So now we can, we can keep going forever. So why don't we have a new 2022 mono mix to go with the new 2022 stereo mix and give us the original mixes as well? And now you've created a complete package Overview of of, of uh, revolver in this case, and then the issue of the how many sessions you're getting on the two discs. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't I wouldn't bother with a new mono mix. Um, I mean, the whole point of the new stereo mix is that they were limited in the stereo mix they could make in 1966, but they weren't limited in the mono mix. The mono mix is the mix they wanted to make apparently, and the stereo mix. They had to make some compromises because of the way it was recorded. Um, the fact that a lot of the rhythm tracks, or the you know the basic backing rhythm track, is guitar, bass, and drums, and they were recorded live to one track. Um, And it really was only because of the Peter Jackson's mouse system that they were able to separate those things and move them around the stereo picture. And since we're talking about, you know, how many discs there are or aren't, um, this is the first of these sets that doesn't come with Blu-ray. And of course, the important thing about the Blu-ray is, I mean, they, they usually had the mono mix on it in a high res version. Um, which kind of gave you a reason to have the mono mix again because it was high res, at least. Mm -hmm. But of course, the main thing was the Blu-ray also had the surround mix. Um, We had an email from our pal Peter Jackson who said that the surround mix is incredible. We haven't heard it yet because no Blu-ray and the only way uh, it's going to be available is in the download or stream version. So I'll get that tomorrow. Um, and in fact, it's only in the uh, you know equivalent of the five disc set of the download. Um, so we'll be getting that yet another format of that just to get the surround mix.
0: I'm not a downloader. I'm not someone who knows anything is never really Taken the time to learn because it just was not something that I was interested in. So a, a mix as 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 intricate as Atmos. Can that be? Can that be duplicated in a, in a, in a stream in a download?
2: Um, yeah, but you then have to have the equipment to play it. Um, what I'm planning on doing, I hope is if I can get it in FLAC files, I can put it on a thumb drive and put the thumb drive into my Blu-ray player and my Blu-ray player will play the 5.1 version. It won't play, you know, the full Atmos because I also don't have, you know, 350 speakers (laughs) with separate channels. Um, So it'll play the 5.1. I found that um, M4A files, which for instance, is the, the standard iTunes download, does not play through my Blu-ray player as, it doesn't play, actually it doesn't play them at all. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping, I, I am hoping that one of the download possibilities is FLAC and that those FLAC files will play through my Blu-ray player because I really am eager to hear the surround mix of this album. You know, I mean, there's yeah. so much experimenting yeah. going on and electronic stuff. I mean, I, I, of all the surround mixes so far, I kind of like the White Album the best. And if anything can rival it, it's going to be Revolver, I think. Um, so looking forward to that, but would have wanted it in the actual box on a disc. Got to say.
0: Have you started uh, preparing preparing your wife for having 350 more speakers placed around the house? um actually you know my wife (laughs) if i were to say
2: you know it would be really cool to have 350 speakers she would say well you should get them (laughs) so
0: okay that's very lucky
2: yeah absolutely
0: (laughs) and you're and you are you're left in the house for that night what did, did she let you stay you can stay still within the house at night? She would
2: she would stay there and listen to the surround mix with me. So um yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll take it. Next show I'll do in my garage on my alternate uh, bed that I'm sent <laughs> to often. Um when when I make suggestions. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. For a few, my wife doesn't watch this now. Or or this show will need a new host next time out. <laughs> um All right. Well, I tell you what. I'm going to, because I'm kind of moderating this show, I'm going to flex my muscle and say, let's pause here um, and come back to Revolver with the part two things we said today where we talk about the 2022 new stereo mix. Uh, does that sit well with the two of you? That's Absolutely. Great. Even if you said no, I'd say, well, that's what we're, no, I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, so yeah, let's do it again. Let's, 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 talk more Revolver um, uh, and, and concentrate on the new, the new mix. Uh, Cause I didn't, and this works great for me. Like I said, I don't know if I said this at the beginning of the show, I personally, and I haven't gotten my hands on a physical copy yet. I haven't spent enough time with it. I went immediately dove into the sessions discs and spent a lot of time picking that apart. Uh, so yeah, we'll do that for the next show, Revolver part two. So, all right, since we're going to put a wrap here, let's uh, go around the room and um, basically close things out with what we want to close things out with contact info and whatnot. Ken, what do you have cooking on your shows now uh, in the week uh, or so coming up?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, if you want to get in contact with me directly, you, you can uh, write to me via my email, at net. I do have a YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, and it's been pretty busy lately. In fact, Darren DeVivo was on my most recent show. We did a show called Rack Our Brains, and this is a a concept that we've done on the Talk More Talk podcast, where I invite guests on and I ask them questions that they're not briefed on at all. They have no idea what I'm going to ask them. They're not trivia questions. They're opinion-related questions, and so they have to come up with an answer off the top of their heads, and Darren was on that show. And uh, so was Al Sussman, our former co-host, and John Montagna, who's been a guest here on this channel and also on Talk More Talk, bass player that you've seen at the Fest for Beetle Fans, does bass clinics there. He was a part of the, the Alan Parsons Live Project for several years. And so that was a great show that we did. Um, I also had Chris Engelhart on my show. He's been the author of uh, several books that all deal with side projects of the Beatles. When the Beatles work with other people in the music industry and help them out either as musicians, producers, or as songwriters, he's been putting out books through these through the years. Uh, Beatles Undercover, Deeper Undercover, and now Fully Uncovered, which really updates everything that he's that he did in the two previous books up to today, and it's amazing all the work that. Those four guys have done for other people and still doing to this day, you know, Ringo. How how many times have I said Ringo drums on this one track for for Edgar Winter and for Colin Hay and so on and so on. Uh, Paul McCarty with the Umoza project recently that he was a part of, you know, um, that's a book where if you're curious about that. And there's a lot of great songs that they've written for other people and not just the Peter and Gordon and Billy J. Kramer. And bad finger stuff, but more that you may not be aware of. That book's amazing. I did an interview with him. We just did an interview on Talk More Talk with Chris as well. Um, I interviewed Laurie Jacobson, who is the author of this new book. Got books to the left of me, books to the right of me. Top right? of the mountain, the Beatles at Shea Stadium, nineteen sixty-five. Wow. Uh, we did a whole conversation about that and how the whole concert came about. Sid Bernstein's part and being the promoter for that, as well as the Carnegie Hall shows, all the people who attended there from fans to celebrities like Meryl Streep and Whoopi Goldberg and people who performed there, including some of the go-go dancers that were on stage, <laughs> as well as the, you know, the opening acts, great conversation with Laurie. Um, and then I also did an interview with Lori Kay. This was a very touching interview that I did. Laurie Kay was part of the RKO Radio Networks and they interviewed John and Yoko at the Dakota the day that he was murdered, just hours before it happened. So if you've heard that interview before, Laurie was a part of it asking questions. And we talked a lot about that interview. She also interviewed George Harrison in 1978, the end of 78 in preparation for his album, George Harrison, which came out in early 79. And uh, she interviewed Paul in in 1979 for Back to the Egg with Members of Wings. So we talk a lot about that. She interviewed George Martin as well. We discussed that her whole career in radio. And uh, she's been involved with TV and film as well. She has a new book coming out next year, which you should look out for. It's called Confessions of a Rock and Roll Name Dropper my life leading up to John Lennon's last interview. So all those interviews are there, the most recent ones on my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio, please check that out. I mentioned my other uh, podcast show, Talk More Talk. Uh, like I said, we just interviewed Chris Engelhart. The next show that we will do, which is November the 7th, it's a Monday night. It's a live broadcast at nine o'clock Eastern time on our YouTube channel. And we will have Jason Krupa on to talk about Revolver and Jason, you will know for being a co-author with Ken Womack for All Things Must Pass Away, the book that came out recently on George Harrison on that album and his relationship with Eric Clapton, and Jason also does a podcast called Producing the Beatles, which is really looking at the the Beatles from a production angle, talking a lot about George Martin's, uh, you know, his contributions to Beatles recordings it's really a very good podcast he's going to be on to talk I think maybe a bit more technical about uh the recording sessions for Evolver and we'll be I guess reviewing the box set on on that show as well so again that's uh, again that's Monday November 7th it's 9 p.m eastern time talk more talk a solo Beatles video cast uh don't forget my website kenmichaelsradio.com pretty soon i'll be giving away the new ringo star live release live at the greek theater 2019 i'll be giving away the double cd as part of my weekly trivia contest and i'm going to have a special contest where you can win the double cd blu-ray package as well that's coming up in just a few weeks from now and then there's my radio show every little thing the newest one has got a whole set on uh, Taken from the Revolver box set. And that's on select radio stations, which you can find a listing of uh, on my website on the Every Little Thing page. It tells you all the radio stations and when they run the show, uh, broadcast times, links to their websites so you can stream them. And uh, and I think that's about it. I think that's enough.
0: Ken, uh, before we go to Alan, quick question about the Record Store Day Ringo releases. Where have you seen that all of the different formats are coming out on the 25th of November? Because if the last time I checked Record Store Day's website, they still only list the vinyl coming out that day. That's possible that that's a Record Store Day exclusive, uh, but that same day, Universal, I'm assuming, is going to be putting it out in the other configurations as well as a regular release.
1: It's another Uh, record company, it's not Universal. It's not. No but they sent me an email with those configurations and I'm pretty sure they said November 25th. Those yeah, that's,
0: that's Record Store Day, Black Friday. So maybe the vinyl is going to be more of a, a you know, a, a limited pressing for Record Store Day, but then there'll be the other configurations that won't be part of Record Store Day.
1: Um, I, I think, you know, and I could be wrong, I'm 99% certain, I think all of those configurations should be out November 25th.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, Alan, what's your deal?
2: Okay, um, you can reach me at Facebook, either at Alan Cozen or Alan Cozen Remixed. Um, also, check out the McCartney Legacy Facebook page, and I think there are two of those too. Um, but you know, look up McCartney Legacy, and if there's one or two, they're both us. Um, anyway, uh, you can email the three of us. At ThingsWe Said Today, radio show at gmail.com. We have Twitter feed, which is at thingswe said fab. Um, and we have two Facebook pages for the three of us too, um, which is Things We Said Today. Good guess, right? Uh, or Things We Said Today, Beatles Radio fans. The shows are um, if you're not watching the video one, you probably should. Um, And that's on YouTube. Feel free to subscribe to us. And when I say feel free, I mean, like, do it. We're also on uh, Podbean, and Podbean distributes to iTunes and iHeartRadio and lots of other places. So the podcast is everywhere you look, and um, but especially look on YouTube because, you know, we get dressed up in these fancy T-shirts so that you can, you know, have a gander. And plus, you know, hold up our toys. And...
0: Anyway, so there we are. That's me. i share my pen. That's the best I could do right now. It's a pen. <laughs> um, you can listen to me on WFUV Monday night. Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and Thursday. It would have been a lot easier for me to say Monday through Thursday nights, starting at 10 p.m. till 2 a.m., although, oh, that's right, it's tonight. So tonight's over by the time you watch this, so never mind. Um, (laughs) 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., Monday through Thursday nights, Saturday afternoons 1 to 4 on WFUV, 90.7 FM in New York City, also HD2. 90.7 FM HD two. You could stream us anywhere at WFUV.org. We have an app as well. You could download, and that's another way you can listen to WFUV. I mean, we really are a uh, cutting edge uh, radio station. that plays tons of new music and occasionally we go back, but our thing is uh, new music, new artists. So you check that out. Uh, If you want to look for me on Facebook, uh, I'm always on there, Darren DeVivo, send me a friend request, Orgo, or if you find the other page, click follow or like, whatever the, uh, whatever the button's called today. That's Darren DeVivo, WFUV DJ and Beatles podcaster. One way or another, you'll find the pages or I'll invite you to the other one. And um, if you want to send me an email, I mean, directly to WFUV, it's my name spelled out, Darren DeVivo at WFUV.org. And um, that's basically it for our Revolver show and our final show of October uh, 2022. Next time we meet, it'll be November. And um, so we'll see you next month with more Revolver talk uh, on things we said today. So for Ken Michaels, for Alan Kozen, I'm Darren DeVivo. And thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time. Take care.